most states in the South have medical marijuana legalized now. That's pretty recent compared to some other regions across the country, but it's still there. And there's a growing uh, movement to legalize recreational marijuana, especially because it is a deeply agricultural reason. One of the mm-hmm. hugest things we emphasized in the report is that this is one of the, if not the biggest agricultural center of the U.S. Deep South Growth. Fiona McCarthy is an associate at social innovation consultancy Think Rubik's. A native Virginian, she's witnessed cannabis policy progress firsthand in her home state. And looking at her recently published Green Pastures report, it's clear she sees change coming across the rest of America's Deep South. Alrighty, so Fiona, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Think Rubik's, and, uh, and then we'll get into the report a little bit. So great to see you today. Yeah, great to be here, Dave. Um, so my name is Fiona McCarthy. I am an equity innovation associate at Think Rubik's, which is an, obviously you can hear by my accent, an American-based um, consulting firm, but uh, with a specialized focus on social innovation issues. We are firm of uh, Southerners focused a lot on the South. We love uh, our hometown. We are almost all from the South. Uh, so we care a lot about the region, but we do any kind of social innovation equity work across the country. Basically, we're focused on helping good people do their good work better. Um, and I am here today because we have recently come out with a report um, uh, that I wrote called um, Greener Pastures, The Promise of Legal Cannabis in the South. Um, we got into this work essentially because we felt that there was a really strong opening, especially uh, in the South. Like there's a really um, interesting moment in Southern politics right now where there is a huge bipartisan demand for legal recreational marijuana, but it is behind the rest of the country, um, the rest of uh, Northwest and Western states in legalizing efforts. Um outside of medical marijuana. And so we really felt like, okay, now's our chance. We care about this place. We are all weed enthusiasts. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's let's see this seize this moment and see what we can do to uh, highlight some of the tangential benefits of legalizing marijuana recreationally and see if we might bring some of those people on the fence on board. Absolutely, because you're based in DC, aren't you? And even though it's not a state, that's it's still recreational and adult. Sorry, adult use and uh, medical is legal in DC, isn't it? I think. And- yeah, DC is an interesting case because it's not legal to sell uh, okay. necessarily. So you are allowed to have plants at home, uh, and you are allowed to have. You're allowed to possess a certain amount of uh, ready to smoke marijuana, but you're not allowed to sell it. So even though there's all these shops that have popped up, um, (laughs) the way they do it is uh, you will purchase a sticker or a t-shirt for $60 and then the weed is a gift alongside. That's true. I did not know that. That's crazy. I've I've never heard of that. Well, I've heard of people doing things like that with NFTs, you know, like (laughs) non-fungible tokens. I heard about someone who bought a house in California. Well, they didn't buy it. They, got, they bought an NFT for about a million dollars and got a free house with it or something like that. Yeah. That, so it's but, insane. It's, that, it's, that's the crazy. City though. Council it's, it's, has been, I know, they've been trying to crack down a little bit on it in recent years, but we're like, look, until 
we get mm. full legalization, which means full uh, sales and dispensaries, yeah. then there's no way around this. I mean, this is a, a huge industry in the city because mm. uh, up until recently, neither of the mm. states immediately around us, Virginia and Maryland, have had legal uh, mm. options. So it's a big industry for people coming in, uh, tourists into the city. It's already a big mm-hmm. tourism city, obviously, yeah. as the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do not, since we're not a state, we do not have control over okay. uh, whether it would be, we, can, mm-hmm. we can't legalize ourselves. So yeah, the whole big thing is a taxation yeah. without representation, right? That's why we okay. separated from y'all and then we still... Still fighting for it two hundred years. Later. That's, I, I had no idea that was the case in DC. I think that's 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 cool. There, but do you get to keep the sticker? Is my 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 question? If you buy. oh yeah, oh my god, there's, <laughs> and the, and all the thrift shops around. There's a Everyone t-shirts says, used to be the more popular option, and yeah. so you go into any thrift shop shop in the area, you'll see like five hundred like. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just like various weed mascots like I'll have, you know, I, I bought an ounce of weed and all i got was this dumb t-shirt type thing yeah exactly yeah. that exactly that. i like that that's cool but you're you're actually from virginia originally is that right and i am yes i am from a very very rural part of the state um most people tend to think of virginia as uh a growing it's it's a growing swing state um so for u.s politics that tends to mean that it uh, is a bit less socially conservative um, Mm -hmm. than it historically has been. But it was, you know, Virginia was the capital of the Confederacy. There is still a lot of social conservatives that rule, uh, if not state legislatures all the time, they definitely still rule the uh, social aspect of of the culture. Mm so because you got recreational and medical was legal in in was it 2021 i think yes 2021 very very recently so there are about um i might be wrong on the specific number i'm sorry i wish i had it in front of me but there are increasing number of states that that Mm -hmm. medical marijuana is legal in the majority of u.s states now Mm -hmm. uh recreational is not a uh it's not it's a i think it's a bit less than half yeah i think um, it's i think i was reading this morning like rhode island is number 19 or something like that yes so yeah, kind of, yeah, oh, yeah yeah you know it, yep. things are getting there and in the south you have a number of states have medical marijuana mm-hmm. um looking at alabama arkansas florida louisiana and mississippi see i did read the report i'm not reading off it now or anything. <laughs> no no but um i mean i mean you know i've, I've been to the u.s i've been to the south i've been to a to Georgia and what, and I sort of been through different states, and yeah, there's always a very different feel from the rest of the U.S. I mean, do you see the South in itself as having a very unique culture, and to what extent do you feel that you know the way it's you know the politics and you know it's, does that have, to what extent does, does it kind of unique culture have an impact on sort of appetite for for recreational marijuana? Do you think? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it is a unique place in many senses, Mm. Uh, typically because, you know, I always like to say uh, that the South's politics are nowhere half as bad as as the rest of the country and the rest of the world. I imagine them because uh, I like to say instead that, you know, they tend to think that we're a bunch of backwards, like rednecky kind of crazy people i think think, no i wouldn't i wouldn't say that but i think the perception is it's a very divisive place (laughs) it is a very divisive politics in terms of you know race and you know i think that goes back to the you know 
yeah. not too oh. distant history, really. And obviously things have changed a lot. But I think the perception yeah. is still very divisive, very, you know, you know, and, and I think that myth, rightly or wrongly, persists. But again, yes, it presents that. I think, how did you put it in the report? I quite like the, uh, you know, full of tensions that make the region dynamic, cultured, and often difficult for non-Southerners yes. to navigate, and quite rural, yes. agricultural, and deeply community-centered. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, it is. Um, yeah, it, cool, it's the, the history of the South is is very sad it's very tragic it's very violent for the most part and at the same time that is also the region of the country that is um one of the highest proportions of people of color particularly black um vibrant black communities culture food i mean so much of what is great about broader american culture has its roots in the south mm -hmm. so we care about it. My firm, um, my firm is a majority black and black owned uh, firm. We care about it in the sense that white people from the rest of the country tend to dismiss it as, oh, you know, that's just, you're just a bunch of Republic, like Christian Republicans. Like you're not going to be interested in these broader social movement issues like recreational marijuana, which isn't true, first of all. And it's also ignoring the fact that a lot of, uh, conservatives have sort of a stranglehold over state legislators and, and politics um, mm -hmm. in the South, which was by design uh, after the failure of reconstruction. It does not mean that the South is backwards. It doesn't mean that we are incapable of embracing and taking full advantage of uh, great social progress, such as recreational marijuana. And you see that we've, you know, we're most states in the South have medical marijuana legalized now. That's pretty recent compared to some other regions across the country, but it's still there. And there's a growing uh, movement to legalize recreational marijuana, especially because it is a deeply agricultural reason. One of the mm. hugest things we emphasized in the report is that this is one of the, if not the biggest agricultural center of the U.S. There's a huge opportunity for farmers, for growers, for localized uh, you know, sort of like we, we envision sort of like a farm to table movement, but for yeah. marijuana, you know, and I guess and you have the right climate for it as well. Yes, yes, exactly. The right climate for it. Um, well, for, great yes, for different grain. types of yeah. strains, uh, mm -hmm. different types of uh, growing operations. I mean, the, the infrastructure is already there. And actually, the cultural attitudes are also there. People mm -hmm. just don't tend to think of the South as, as a place where that might be possible, but it absolutely is. Do you mean across all kind of, um, uh, well, across black and white communities, as well as Republican, Democrat, do you feel that that's mm -hmm. equally kind of reflected for the most part in, you know, people are for legalization in recreation? Yeah. So they are. It's it's actually one of the few issues in American politics, maybe, maybe the only one right now, where there is uh, bipartisan support. Um, mm -hmm. It is obviously a little bit dampened on the uh, conservative you are. It, it, that mm -hmm. also tends to go with, um, not always, but it tends to go with other social conservative attitudes. There are a lot of stigma and myth making that was tied up in uh, the war on drugs for many years that have... Uh, still have some capital in in yeah. debates across the south of course but it is majority i mean every every state where it has been polled every state with, that has gone up for a ballot initiative for legalizing marijuana it's won by decisive margins including in the south as well so mm -hmm. one of the states where uh 
many of my coworkers are from that we care about a lot, uh, Arkansas. It is a ballot measure is up um, for a vote in November about legalizing recreational marijuana. They already have medical marijuana. Um, and to even get it on the ballot, voters had to approve uh, the language ahead of time in, in a previous election to make sure that um, they can even that it's that it's legal to that once it was passed by a ballot initiative, uh, it would actually go into law. I mean, I mean, it's, and they had to vote on it. And it was by yeah. a majority. Yeah. Across Republicans, across Democrats, across white communities, across black communities. It is a very popular issue. I mean, it seems so very politicized. And I guess it is in many different countries, but perhaps more so in the U.S. Do you think that's indicative of the U.S. or more the South? Or is it something that this is how it is in each state where we're looking for that you have to kind of approve certain things to go? You know, that's it, it, just part of how American politics works. Is I mean, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It is part of how American politics works. But I do think that's an interesting point about whether it's it's different in terms of how it's politicized, because mm. I think that it is. I, you know, I, I went to the London School of Economics. I have cool. a lot of friends abroad um, mm -hmm. still, and they look at us at the U.S. so much of the time on issues from, you know, healthcare to climate um, legislation. And they're mm -hmm. like, wow, you guys are really far behind. <laughs> but then they look at us on cannabis legalization. They're like, oh, my God, how are you? how are you miles ahead of so mm. many other countries on this, especially in, in Europe as well? It's more it's embedded just... in your culture, do you feel? I think in, in American culture, I mean, I guess, again, I think we've talked about this before, the very kind of roots of the sort of marijuana industry and the, the reason it's prohibited <laughs> is very much racially motivated, wasn't it? And, it is, you know, yes. And again, there's still a kind of, the underground culture, I guess, kind of emerged from that kind of... Uh, well, I think that popularity was there in the first place, whereas it's kind of been transplanted over over this side mm -hmm. of the the Atlantic, I think, a bit more. But it's always kind of been an option and either people sort of, you know, condemn it or, you know, people turn a blind eye for it. Whereas I think over here, yeah, I mean, attitudes are, ch are changing, but, you know, it's kind of still seen as, you know, something, you know, that's not necessarily as popular in, in mm -hmm. the same way. I mean, it is, but I think generally you, you tend to see a sort of culture around it as emanating from the US, absolutely. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've got a whole genre of stoner movies. We've got a massive sort of, uh, there was it's like the, the whole like 70s and 60s, yeah, like yeah. stoner rock movement. It, it is embedded in our culture. And I think mm. part of that has to do with the fact that, um, you know, parts of the southern u.s california mexico it has grown mm. naturally here it was used in indigenous yeah. communities um as recreational and a spiritual uh yeah. drug long before any white people came to these shores so Absolutely. it has embedded itself in our culture from the beginning in a way that i don't think is is quite present in in europe as well but at the same time i you know that's pushing back up against this massive almost century long war on drugs and, and a broader mm. war on marijuana specifically that yeah. is so racially motivated that was so focused on uh, over incarceration to try and like stamp the problem out. And whereas most sort of racist policies by design have had wild success in the US, that one has not. It's been mm. an utter failure. And I think that's a really interesting thing to try and break down 
because I don't think there's one single reason for that. Um, but I do think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty hard to convince a population at large why, you know, we allow alcohol, for instance, which you can go out and mm. buy a bottle and it will do immense damage to you. You, you could really, you know, no, absolutely. you could hurt yourself in a day, whereas marijuana, like even though we weren't officially allowed to study the medical effects for quite a while due to a CDC ban from Congress, but um we know anecdotally it's not going to kill you. It's not going to at least, you know, it might have some long-term uh, effect on your lungs a bit, but it's not going to be the same as to do with the what we allow methods. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and exactly. that plays a big part. I mean, you know, vaping versus, you know, smoking versus, you know, gummies. I mean, there's the whole sort of product range you think about, you know, the different methods of consumption that exist now that, you know, probably didn't exist even 40, 50 years ago. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But let me ask, I mean, in terms of, you know, recreational legalization in the South, what do you think, what would that mean for, for those states in terms of like, in, you know, in you know, tax revenues and you know, the kind of, yeah, what, what do you think that would mean? What, what kind of positive impact do you think that, do you think there'd be an immediate kind of like, wow, you know, we're, we're generating revenue from day one? I mean, yes, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's, that's been the case in the first states that legalized in this country, Colorado and Washington state. Mm -hmm. um, obviously you expect as um, the infrastructure gets built out, you sort out the kinks of uh, the taxation and regulation system um, in the first few years you get off the ground. Of course, it, it takes some time to see the full effects, just like any legislation. But even just from those two states alone, it was very clear right away that this was a wildly popular and wildly successful economic uh, mm. measure. And in addition to, you know, all the recreational fun aspects of it, there's mm -hmm. huge uh, subsidiary positive benefits that roll uh, out from yeah. the, I think I was you know, at, like yeah. from taxation, from increased tourism, from uh, especially in the South, this is a really salient point. This is one that we tried to highlight a lot in the report. There's a huge, as I said, agricultural opportunity. Um, people tend to think of when they think of uh, Americans like growing weed, they tend to think of like farms out in California. Uh, but actually, mm -hmm. Tennessee and Mississippi are two of the biggest growers in the country and so? wow. of marijuana. Yeah. And, and typically that goes towards uh, hemp production or, or it goes mm -hmm. towards um, now it's shifting a bit. They can, they can produce CBD as well, but obviously mm -hmm. you're still growing the plant, you know, that's still. But you can't stick it across state lines. Can you, even if, is that right? Even if you're a multi-state operator, cause I think you can, well, you can operate in those different States, but individually you can't sort of take it across state lines. Well, officially, at least. Is, is officially, that right? oh. mm. officially, yes, you're not supposed to take it across state lines, but it's it's sort of like a, you know, similar to the, the gifting thing, the system right. in D.C., the mm -hmm. federal government has taken a very laissez-faire approach to okay. enforcing um, both growing operations, selling operations, and movement across state lines for mm -hmm. those industries and states where it is legal. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting because it kind of spooks investors, right? To think at the thought that the US government could swoop in any time and shut down mm -hmm. an operation uh, they if they could prove any interstate mm -hmm. commerce. Yeah, and they have. But at the same time, like it, every single year, it seems like it gets a little more lax. And the Justice Department um, 
a couple of years ago, officially sort of put out a statement saying, like, we are not going to interfere too deeply with states, individual states decisions to legalize this and and set up a regulation system, even though the drug is classified as a schedule one drug yeah. legally, yeah, yeah. which is the same class as heroin, the same class as uh, cocaine. Actually, I think cocaine might be a step lower, which is crazy. Mm. It's crazy on many, many levels. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, to give that much kind of uh, illegality to it federally, but kind of turn a blind eye to it on a kind of individual state level or state. It's it, there's so many double standards in that. It's crazy. But again, I don't think that's unique to the US at all. Yeah. In the US's mm-hmm. defense, I think that, that happens everywhere, isn't it? It, you know, it where does. Kind it, of it really does. Decriminalized yeah. or, you know, medical only or CBD. You know, I think that's the case. But again, you know, each country or but I think ultimately, I mean, my, my take on it is that you have to think of each state almost as like a, an individual country as you might do in the <laughs> EU or something like that. It's but very again, similar to the EU. Yeah, mm. that's a great analogy for it. And I know that the EU sort of plotted a lot of its structure around the US federal system, but uh, tried to do away with some of the more inconvenient. <laughs> well, that's it. But again, I think when you look at the sort of cannabis sector and how it's sort of shaking out, well, not in the UK, I mean, that's not a you, but you know what I mean? Look at Europe in general, and you, you see this kind of varying degrees of decriminalization. And uh, it's just interesting that everyone has the, like, again, you were talking about in DC with the, uh, you know, buy a sticker, but get, get a free bag of weed worth $60 uh, or whatever. Um, again, you have the kind of social club scene in, in Barcelona and, and in Spain, and then mm-hmm. you have kind of, you know, federal legalization in Germany happening, you know, at mm-hmm. a countrywide level and medical marijuana here in the UK, but no one really knows about it. And you just yeah. have all these kind of different pockets of misinformation or kind of speculation that seems to sort of proliferate. And it's it's hard to keep your finger on the pulse. But I mean, what do you think of a sort of a region like the South and the sort of consistency and you know this is it, again it's different it's, it's similar situation isn't it you know there might be similar attitudes across mm-hmm. different states you know within a certain region like the southeast um but at the same time when you're kind of navigating well what works across the state line in in Georgia is not the same as in Florida or Alabama or something like that mm-hmm. so again you have all of those um the complications in a similar way to individual nations which yes Absolutely. And even within those countries, even within those states, there's going to be wildly Mm. different attitudes, a lot of variance depending on place, depending on uh, background, depending on demographics. I mean, it's it's difficult to overcome that. But what I found Mm. so interesting, uh, you know, I was I was reading the uh, report from your uh, previous guest on the state of uh, legalization across Europe. from Hanway, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, the opinion polls towards legalization are so much harsher across the board, even in states, even in countries where it's uh, legal, like the Netherlands. I was so surprised. I mean, talk about a culture that has a lot of resonance yeah. in weed culture. I mean, we yeah. always grew up thinking like, oh, we'll go to Amsterdam and have a brownie. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But again, well, same here. But, you know, again, it's not technically legal in, in, in the Netherlands in, in that yeah. way. And, yeah. again, and things and like that. It's like, who knew? <laughs> well, who knew? Nobody knew. And and especially with the fact that that was like one of the lower countries for approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There was like a, a bare majority was OK with it um, compared to countries like uh, Germany and, and Spain, I think, where the approval rating mm-hmm. was much higher. 
And I always found that interesting because it, it, I think it is really analogous to the South in, in many ways where mm. our approval ratings across the board might not be as high as, as the rest of the region. But when you really get down into it, what, what these opinion polls don't take into account typically is the sort of priority ranking mm -hmm. of legalization against other social issues, right? And so what we have found, at least anecdotally and um, reflected in, in some studies, is marijuana legalization, the people who are opposed to it are not like passionately opposed to it in the same way that other mm -hmm. social or, or economic or political issues would inspire not, the same level yeah, of opposition. They're not, they're not offended by it, but they're just like, well, why would you legalize it? I don't get it. More yeah, that, yeah. that sort of attitude than kind of like it is, you know, it is the stuff of Satan type thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. I mean, there's, there's certainly, there there's certainly that. definitely I, I, I can imagine. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it's fading. It's fading mm. a lot. There's been so much change in the past 20, 15, even 10 years that has mm. really changed the state of play in both the US and I imagine Europe as well mm. on uh, eliminating those worst, you know, those most passionately against mm. social yeah. attitudes. So working with that, you know, then you talk to someone who's a bit on the fence about it. They're like, well, I don't get why you mm. would legalize it. What about, you know, yeah. uh, what do we do for people that are driving under the influence or mm. you, they, they have concerns that are yeah. understandable. And yeah. but they're also concerns that we have dealt with for a long time that have been studied that we know we can mitigate. We know that we can address. We know that we can uh, integrate into society and still have this be an overall really fantastic social good and in, in mm. not in a way that not a lot of other political solutions right now are yeah um and we find that really fascinating and very very hopeful you know that that's we really need so many people so many states mm. so many workers we really need a win and this is an easy win because it's doable it's viable it's popular it's fun mm. and it's possible in a way that inspires a lot of uh, room for making sure that we do it right from the start. A lot of times, I think when we see social change happen, we kind of tend to go, all right, great. We all agree on this thing. Now let's, let's put this law in place and, and mm -hmm. we'll see what happens later. And we'll deal with the consequences later. Now we have seen, we have 10 years of data to reflect yep. on, okay, what worked in this state? What didn't, what subsidiary consequences came up that we weren't expecting? So when we wrote this report about the South, you know, the South is already a, a region that is, um, has its unique problems, has its uh, entrenched battles to fight that will be ongoing. Mm. How do we approach legalization in a way that won't make those pre-existing problems worse? How do we have an yeah. equity-centered approach that prioritizes the most vulnerable populations and the maximum amount of good that we can do for them at every level from what we use this tax money for to yeah. how we make sure We're to bring about investment in schools in certain states and thinking you know i mean how big a difference i mean if we're talking i mean again one of the other misconceptions rightly or wrongly I, well is you know it's a divisive in a, from a poverty perspective as well mm. do you think that mm. is, is very tangible in the south do you think particularly you have these kind of extremes and it, traditionally they've been you know along racial lines as well i guess yes. yes and again I it guess, is a very, very racialized system of uh, wealth distribution. And there's many, many reasons for that. Um, 
but chiefly because the the structure of our economy and the laws that we have put in place since from uh you know obviously slavery um and then jim crow now we're into a sort of what we call sometimes a new jim crow system where it uh, emphasizes uh upward flow of wealth towards top one percent top point one of one percent and many many things go into that it's it's not always cleanly racialized in the in the same mm. way that it was but it is disproportionately yes and we're all aware of those issues we all mm. know that that's what is happening but there's very little recourse for correcting that um without things like reparations without things like um you know acknowledgement of our history the, the, the fact that we're kind of dancing around the white supremacy issue and how it's infected a lot of our political debates and problems now. Um, in marijuana, there is, I find there tends to be less of a reticence to talk about that racialized history, at least in mm. my experiences of talking less of a reticence. So, so more people, I mean, from what I read and what I understand, again, and this is one of the things I like about the cannabis industry is that a lot of the the wrongs are kind of being righted through this yes. kind of new sector, you know, giving yes. precedence to pe people who, um, you know, have been incarcerated or, you know, have, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for nonviolent drug offenses and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think from a financial perspective, I think I might mention this before, it kind of makes sense because the sort of legacy growers are the ones with the expertise in a way. But yes. again, and that's yes. a kind of, maybe that's a slightly cynical view, but again, it's doing good in a way that, makes financial sense as well mm -hmm. it is absolutely i mean it's it's one of those rare solutions to fiscal and and social issues where you don't have to put up uh there's there's already an industry built around it right mm -hmm. there has been for decades if not centuries and if you tap in as long as you build the regulatory infrastructure um to make sure that the state can reliably um understand and and tax that structure and integrate it into a into bring it into the legal system mm -hmm. then there is absolutely one of those few issues where there's not an overly burdensome initial start uh mm -hmm. for the state to pour you know billions of dollars into something because it's already there it's already there and the way that we think of as an equity centered approach to that is you know don't leave disproportionately it has been people of color and communities of color that have been harmed mm -hmm. by the laws that we have around it that's over incarceration arresting stop and search um over policing any any number of different things related to the enforcement of being opposed to these laws has hit communities of color first and worst and in an equity-centered approach to legalization not only are we righting those wrongs of the past by you know saying like we are going to invest a certain portion or this this pot of money into the communities that have been harmed the most um not only are we going to uh make sure that people who are sitting in jail for these drug offenses that are now legal where they have a path to get out they have a path to petition the courts for early release um but we are also making sure that in legalizing the system we aren't just allowing for uh majority white majority tends to be male mm -hmm. um companies led run companies that yeah. have already established roots in in legalized states that are growing into you know quite big industry titans we don't want them to come in 
and bulldoze over okay. folks who have already had an upstart system and communities of color that have really taken this on as no, this isn't just repair for the harms of the past. This is our entrepreneurship opportunity to a right. better future. And even in states like Virginia, Virginia is, I'm the first to say Virginia is a weird <laughs> off and backwards place. But if we can legalize it in the South, our, the equity provisions that made it into the legalization bill are very far from perfect. And there's amazing people, amazing groups out there that are continuing to organize um, for a better uh, equity-centered cannabis legalization will, bill, chiefly among which I have to shout out Chelsea Higgs-Weiss of uh, Marijuana Justice in Virginia. Um, she has been at the front lines of, of making sure that any legalization bill centers the concerns and the ambitions of communities of color first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Even if, if that can be done even halfway in a state like Virginia, it is possible everywhere. And it may not be possible on the same timeline. I know that, you know, it, it takes a few years for the right legislation. Yeah. It takes a few years for the right coalition to come on board. There's always going to be challenges in negotiation. And what we did in this report was try and emphasize those realities. You know, you are not going to get your ideal win on day one. But in negotiations, there are so many more opportunities than lawmakers typically look at uh, for space to negotiate, space to compromise is the wrong word because you don't want to compromise mm -hmm. on the most important no, aspects of repairing harm and making sure that communities are feeling the benefit. But, but there is space to mm -hmm. think outside the box and be creative about what you can offer people to bring them on board. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, no, very important points. And I think, again, it's uh, someone like myself from the UK, where obviously there is a, a similar sort of so social justice thing, but not as yeah. prevalent as in the US. It's still something that I think, again, in understanding, you know, the cannabis industry, that's a big part of it. And I think that's part of the education piece that I think needs to be out there a bit more. Absolutely. I was going to say, so in terms of a sort of timeline, do you think for sort of recreational cannabis in across the South, what, mm -hmm. I mean, if you had to make a prediction, where would, where would be, where would, where would it start now that, you know, well, mm. Virginia it starts, but where, where does it happen? Is, do you think there's going to be a domino effect? Do you think it might just mm. happen fairly quickly in succession? Or do you think yeah. there's still a couple of maybe even more years away from, uh, from <laughs> that, from that? What do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, we can already see that there has been a domino effect um, and it, that's transcended the U.S. as well. Obviously, Canada is now a uh, federally legal country and other states, you know, Germany now have been following suit. Um, so we already see the the implications of that. There's That's been a similar trend across uh, political issues from uh, legalizing uh, gay marriage and partnerships uh, to um, you know, an, a number of different social issues that fall roughly into the same bucket of granting more rights to people. And I think that in the past 10 years, we've seen that rate accelerate a bit. You know, we had the first few states try it and um, from Washington, Colorado, and then it was like Alaska, Maine, and People were like, oh, you know, those those are a little bit more outside the box. What's happening here? That's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. 
So it has more potential to accelerate rapidly in the South than I think folks might okay. uh, assume. But at the same time, it's also a race against the federal government. I mm -hmm. personally believe that it's only a matter of time until federal legalization that's been ha passed in the House before. The Senate has expressed interest in doing that. And it's really the president right now that is not quite on board with uh, federal legal legalization. Talk about someone who is uh, mm -hmm. somewhat living in the past in terms of what well, the myths you know. are about marijuana. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, God bless him. But uh, I think that that is such a popular issue, um, especially among young people. You know, mm -hmm. that's such yeah, an yeah. easy win. It is, yeah. it's really, it's for the taking for any politician that wants to make that their national cause in the next mm -hmm. 10 years. So I think that the next decade is really, especially within the next decade, you know, like if, if a yeah. state government or a state advisor, you know, came to me and said, all right, I recognize that this is probably inevitability at the federal level, um, but I don't think it's possible in my state right now. What can we do in the meantime? This is a race at the end of the day, because many of the benefits, unfortunately, of uh, legalizing at the state level, once it becomes legal at the federal level, might vanish. You're not going to be able to reap the benefits of uh, tourism from nearby states yeah. as easily, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's legal everywhere, you're not going to be able to capture the same, uh, perhaps it, there's, there's a question about this, whether yeah. it would be the same amount of revenue or not, but, um, well, you might see a dip yeah. in revenue because you're not getting, uh, people from and I guess other states the standardization as well. Like, like, you know, how yes. do you package it? Do you know, do we keep it in the, the sort of little black bags like you do in Canada or do you kind of mm -hmm. go the sort of California way and have these kind of very, you know lifestyle focused brands or something like yes. that and to what extent does that you know i mean again there's got to be some sort of standardization which will obviously benefit some and you know pull others back a little bit from where they might exactly. be but again exactly there could be some very interesting uh, challenges ahead i guess yeah so you know i would someone in that situation i would just encourage them you know you need to do it like now is the moment if you want to reap the most benefits that you can and make sure that you have the regulatory infrastructure in place before mm -hmm. federal regulations come in so that you're prepared to meet that moment and you're not behind the pack and um, and when it happens like you're ready to hit the ground running because you can you can reap more benefits now by being an early adopter and you can also make sure that you are able to put laws in place that help protect some of your state uh jobs like there's so many industries that cannabis touches outside of growers and distributors, you know, that's packaging, that's logistics, that's delivery, that's um, communications, it's marketing, like yep. there's a million jobs that are at stake out that are tangentially related mm -hmm. to yep. this growing industry. And if you get it right, you can make sure that that those jobs stay in your state, that they stay in your communities, that they are held by people who um, are obviously skilled enough to do it, but happen to be local. Mm -hmm. um, and that has, you know, waterfall effects that can really change a state for the better and will change many states for the better. But unfortunately for folks that are holding their state back and, and keeping it behind the times, it's kind of a bleak picture, I, I think, for, for, you know, only because there's such high expectations attached mm -hmm. to marijuana legalization's benefits in general. That if you're behind the curve, if you wait too long, you're not going to see a fraction of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that in the South, there is 
a lot of potential, a lot of uh, understandable challenges that come with it. Um, but there is a lot of cause for hope. I mean, we've we've had Virginia doing it. We've had now there's this ballot initiative in Arkansas. It's really not as far behind as people think, um, especially when considering. Uh, I think that the the Midwest actually is probably the region that is going to be the most behind. Um, okay. And I, mean, I think that is, sort of, yeah, I seen like a map of the US where kind of legalization and it's kind of like recreational in the sort of coastal states, then kind of yeah. a bit further in medical and then plus you get to the center. There's like, like nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. South Dakota actually is one of the most like inland states in the country. Right. And they passed a ballot initiative to right. legalize okay. recreational marijuana and the state legislator nullified it, which. Really? Different different states have different laws about whether a state legislator can do that. So that's not necessarily okay. going to be the case everywhere. But that was just, you know, that's just wild. It's it's yeah. anti-democratic. It's uh, <laughs> everyone's for it. But reason. No. Yeah. Every, like, yeah. oh, let's let's just, you know, downvote this extremely popular thing that people have already voted for and want. Mm -hmm. And just yeah. for the sake of what you know what are you winning by doing that so it's judge just has a bad day or something like that you know yeah they just but got resoundly really, clowned by the rest of the country for just, good reason <laughs> like, yeah. why would you do that why would you do that you're just fighting the inevitable yeah and no, it's absolutely. not good politics it's not good it's not good for democracy yeah but i say it just goes to show i mean again how heavily politicized all of this is in so many different ways and how many restrictions there are and how many obstacles there are but again like you say there is hope because there's so much support in different ways for uh, legalization or just criminalization of, of sorts it's uh, you know it's, it is really I, I believe it's only a matter of time but that's great it but, really is it really is and i believe so in europe as well i think you're in an exciting so. moment yeah. i think so i think again you know it's it's yeah, there's a there's a there's a huge job to do here as well. But again, sometimes things just seem to happen overnight, and it seems like, well, that was actually it's like anything, isn't it? It seems to happen overnight, but it's actually 15 years in the making that nobody else yes. knew about, and that's yes. the thing of it. And all of that is part of this. You know, one day it's just going to happen, and it's like, wow, federally legal now, cool, all right. I it's love that you made that point because you know people tend to take for granted that when when upsets happen, let's. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like to relate this fight to um, the broader struggle for politics in the South. For mm -hmm. instance, last year, um, everyone was shocked by these two Senate races that flipped two Republican seats. And Georgia has been a reliably Republican state um, at the national level for for many decades. Um, everyone was shocked by it, but they don't realize that it's that's that didn't happen out of nowhere. That is 15, 20, 25 years of mm -hmm. community grassroots led yeah. organizing that is people changing hearts and minds at yeah. a scale from the individual to the national that is only accomplishable by many people working in many different lanes towards a yeah. single outcome. And that is the space that I think that you're in in Europe right now, where yeah. you have a lot of the conditions in place of available for change. There is um opportunity there that hasn't been historically but it requires so many people working in many different aspects yeah, at the absolutely. same time towards a broad goal and uh the number one lesson i think that i would impart um from the struggle for uh cannabis legalization in the south is your culture is the most powerful weapon you have 
politics is politics. Mm-hmm. Legislators in power, they might understand, they might not. At the end of the day, it's the people you have to win. And it's the culture that lets you win them. And what I mean by that is there is a world of difference between accepting the status quo as, and assuming a large group of people is is never going to be moved on an issue yeah. and just getting yeah. out and, and talking to folks, even in creative ways, like you never know what is going to be the final tilt that changes someone's mind, whether it's a movie, whether it's a conversation, whether it is, you know, the growing relevance of uh, cannabis in, in songs and in popular yeah. culture in anything. And so you kind of have to accept the frustrating realities. You have to accept that you individually might not never, might never be that catalyst for mm-hmm. someone, for a group, for a country, but everything you do is important to making that critical mass happen. Absolutely. And the more you can do that on a level that is less political, that is less procedural, that is less jargony, the more you can reach into hearts and minds of culture, that is where change happens. Culture changes before politics does. And that is my number one lesson of politics in the South. That is my certainly my experience of cannabis legislation here. And uh, it is also my hope for the future because Lord, if we rely on politics to do this first, we are all screwed. <laughs> it's, no, it's some very, very wise words, a very interesting uh, point. So no, um, we, we'll definitely have to speak again and uh, maybe we'll, we'll see where we're at in six months. That would be cool. Yes. But um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on food. And where can where can I get the report from? You can download it. It's at Thinks Rubik's website, isn't it? Yes, yep. you can go to www.thinkrubik's. That's t h i n k r u b i x dot com. Um, we have a number of different resources on our website, but you can get the report at the um, at the top. We have a slider that says "We do good work." Get the click on the good get the goods it's all there yeah. <laughs> great stuff well, it's been great having you on thank you so much and uh wish you all the best of luck and uh yeah i encourage everyone to take a look at the report it's uh it's a really interesting uh, piece of research so yeah good stuff. thank you so all much right. dave it was so great to be here and so excited to be in this fight with you good stuff all righty i'll speak to you soon cheers take care